Authentic faith, however, is something that has to happen. It's based in something that's, that's real, and we'll talk about that again in a second. But again, others first. You guys not only um, blew the 1,000-hour the minimum goal completely out of the water, we haven't even added in the n- numbers for our Haiti mission trip or several other things yet, but uh, we far exceeded that. That was fantastic. I also know that a lot of you guys... Um, did a lot of things that didn't even get recorded. A lot of things you were doing long before we even set a goal. I'm really impressed by that. I'm so thankful for everyone who filled the pulpit every single Sunday morning throughout the whole summer, for everyone who kept so much going and did so much this whole summer. Um, It was great. Um, Most of us spent most of this summer on the go. Most of us were, were moving and moving and moving, going, going, going. I know I was. Uh, July 1st started three straight weeks of camp. I did get a week off, but then it was a week of Haiti. And then I got back and um, hit the ground running and then got sick. So here we go. Let's take a moment here, though, and let's, let's pray. And um, go ahead and put that next slide up there about, um, on the rock. This, this is where we're going to be going today. And I, I'd like to just pray. Uh, and I ask you to pray with me please, and pray for me. Pray that God's word will be spoken and spoken clearly and pray that it actually affects the way that we live this week. I pray. Uh, Let's pray that together. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you will speak uh, through me, but you will also speak around me and in spite of me if needed be. I ask God that your word will penetrate our bones, um, that it will penetrate our hearts It'll penetrate our minds, that you will reinforce what needs reinforced, change what needs changed. God, we ask that that as we seek to make our faith in you more authentic, that you will help us to really connect with you, the only, not only the author and, and the finisher of our faith, but the only thing that's worth putting faith in. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The church band that you see here, uh, this, this thing has uh, really helped us a lot. Speaking of going a lot, uh, this one in particular has been to South Dakota and back this summer. It's also been to camp and back several times. It's been all over to all the really cool adventurous spots in East Tennessee several times and uh, countless other really small trips. It's a pretty reliable vehicle. We appreciate everybody who helps us keep that thing going. But um, there was a, uh, one particular night I want to tell you about at camp that um, we had finished the week, and uh, we had to par- I had to park it uh, kind of off, off down the road, down the hill just a little bit. And uh, you, this might have happened to you. You know when it gets, the water just saturates the grass, and it's not that you're like in a ditch or anything, but you just, you just can't move. Has this ever happened to you before? This is where we were. Not only, not only was it like just not able to move, it was on a hill. So every time I tried to move, I was sliding further and further down the hill. So I'm slowly making my way down the hill toward what we still erroneously call the softball field at camp. It hadn't been a softball field for a long time, but that's still what we call it. Anyway, I'm slowly making my way down, and I realize that I am completely helpless. I, I actually learned to drive four-wheeling in Papua New Guinea. I actually, first thing I ever drove was a four-wheeler in four-wheel drive, and this mud and everything. And I can get, get, I can get out of some pretty bad stuff sometimes. My dad's the real professional in that. But in this situation, in the van, much as I love it, I'm pretty helpless. 
I knew I needed some help. So here's what I did. I, I walked up the hill to the lodge where I knew there were a bunch of guys from camp that, that were waiting there. So these guys, you'll see them on the screen. And these guys were, uh, this is only a small fraction of them. I, all of these guys were there. There was actually about 20 of them in the room at the time. And I, I knew that they were all there, and I knew that they were all excited. They were, they were wrapping up one week of camp. They were getting ready for another one. All of these guys had been there for, um, they'd either been campers, they'd been camp staff, they'd been uh, junior faculty. Some of them actually were paid staff. They were uh, Morrison Hill people. They were camp people. All those lines get blurred all the time in wonderful ways. And all of these guys have spent the whole summer very well. I knew that they had the strength and the confidence and the teamwork that they needed. I knew they were willing and would probably even want a challenge and try to serve. So I walked into the lodge and I said, guys, I need help. I need you to help me uh, move the van. I had faith in them. Well, here they came in uh, about 20 guys within literally less than a minute before I could even back to the van. We're, we're back there, and I get in, and I'm trying my best to do something. But honestly, I, I kind of overestimated what I could do in the van, even with their help. What actually ended up happening was they basically just shoved the van up the hill. Like, the, the wheels actually did nothing. And there was zero traction, me trying to steer anything. There was just nothing. It was so wet and so messy that these guys just moved. And, and the guy right there with the hat on backwards, three from the right, that's Brad Jordan. I wish you could have seen him. Um, he was just head to toe mud when it was all over. But all, all of them did such a great job, and they pulled it off. My faith in them was well-placed. And that's the point I want to begin with. If you're following along in the insert, um, taking notes, if you're a note taker kind of person, uh, this is the first point. If you're not a note taker, I hope you still get it. I hope you pay attention. I hope you get that, and that's fine. But if you are, this is saying, authentic faith is placed in something trustworthy. It must be placed in something trustworthy. And in this case, I knew that I couldn't put my faith in myself or in the van, Generally, both of those are fairly reliable, but in this case, I needed something bigger than me. I knew that I could put my trust in them, but if I would have put my trust in them and they didn't come through, that wouldn't have been authentic faith. Authentic faith must be placed in something trustworthy, something that actually can and will come through. If you haven't already memorized this passage at some time in your life, I encourage you to do that over the next several weeks. You'll hear it several times and hear it referred to several times. But this morning, at least, if you would, if you would please say this out loud with me. This is Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Let's say that one more time together. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So if I would have believed that those guys could help me, but they didn't help me, it wouldn't have been authentic. But here, this leads to the second big idea of authentic faith, and that's this. I would never have known if they could come through unless I actually acted on my faith. Authentic faith must be 
acted upon. In fact, all throughout the scripture, you never see the idea of faith without some sort of action involved. Somehow along the line, we've gotten this idea that faith is a very mental thing, uh, maybe some sort of an intellectual thing, maybe some sort of a feeling thing. Maybe we, we talk about your faith or my faith or his faith, her faith. We, we, we have this idea maybe it's just a system of rules or something that some people like or, or kind of have some sort of ownership, sense of ownership about. But in the scriptures, when it talks about faith or trust or believing, it's always tied into action. It's always tied into something that you believe it and so you do something. You believe it and so you test it and you find out. You never see the idea of faith separate from action in scriptures. Hebrews eleven six says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely Seek him. Do you see the action verb in there? It's not just that you believe that he exists. You sincerely seek him. And then you know. Then you know that he exists. Those guys were not just some random guys hanging out at the lodge at camp that night. These guys were a team. They had spent years, honestly. They'd known each other for a long time. They'd spent years building up camaraderie. This past year at Z4G and at camp was incredible. It was really cool. And they had, they had really spent a lot of time team building. They had team leaders, not just here at Morrison Hill, but at camp that had invested in them. They had tested their, each other. They had trusted each other. They had succeeded. They had failed. They had come together. I knew these guys were not just a bunch of random teenagers hanging out in a random building that night. They had built a team. I knew that they could work together. My faith in them was not just random. It wasn't just, I, I think maybe they might be able to do this. I knew. I'd seen them in action before. And I knew that they had built their skills. And that, that's why this word is up there right now, build. This is something Jesus, another action verb, this is exactly what Jesus asks us to do on his teachings. Not just accept them as true, not just kind of believe them somehow, mentally, intellectually, but to build our life on them. To day after day, step after step, choice after choice, decision after decision, strategy after strategy, success and failure after success and failure, build our life on those teachings. And then as we get stronger, as our life progresses, we know because we have built on that foundation. It's an action verb. It's not just something that we kind of intellectually do. And I know this probably is very familiar, but I want to make sure that everyone knows these are the actual words of Jesus. And I'd like you to read these ones with me aloud as well. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, 
It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When this rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And again, I don't know how this happened. I don't know where it started. I, I would like to guess the devil, honestly. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, Christianity in general has, has taken all of Jesus' action verbs, active verbs, and replaced them with passive verbs. You're, you're much more likely to hear Christians talk about accepting Jesus or letting Jesus into your heart than you are to hear most Christians talk about building your life on his teachings. I don't know why that is, but, but it's wrong. It's messed up. And if our faith is going to be authentic, it's got to be put not only in something that is authentic, which is Jesus himself, but we've, it's actually going to line up with what Jesus himself said. The, the idea that we can believe or trust and not act on it is a weird, weird idea. If you really believe in something, if you really trust it, you act on it, and then you build on it. Jesus consistently said things like build and also go. Um, he doesn't ask us to just be Christians. He doesn't tell us he wants us to be Christians. He commands us to go into all the world and to make disciples. That is to actively recruit new people to come and follow him. Like my dad reminded you last week, Jesus did not give us any exemptions or any exceptions to this. This is all of our job. And don't make no mistake, it's a job. It's a job we must do. It's not some idea that we must accept. Other New Testament writers used action verbs too. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. If your eyes are open and you're really just watching to see what Jesus was like, the way he talked, the way he acted, the way he presented himself to us, it's actually kind of hard to miss his passion for action. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. 18 to 20. Again, say this with me, if you would. Uh, this is the Great Commission. This is huge, and this is the central idea of what we're talking about today. So please, please say this with me as well. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So again, faith builds 
It goes, it runs, it strips off things that are distractions that weigh us down. It focuses, it does stuff. We build, we go, and we follow. And again, somewhere along the line, we've even taken this very active verb of following and we've changed it into something that's more of a a passive or an intellectual idea. I'm not sure how that's possible, but I, I know you know what I'm talking about because this is all throughout, all throughout Christianity, all throughout modern Christianity as we know it. That if we are a follower of Jesus, that doesn't necessarily imply to many of us that we're actually doing anything. It just means we kind of say, yes, I am a follower. We just kind of claim it. But follow is an action verb. Follow means you are actually following someone. Someone is doing something and you are doing what they are doing. Someone is going somewhere and you are going where they go. I have a little dog now. Her name is Okoye. She's really fun and um, she follows me around. It's really, it's really cute. I didn't hardly even have to teach her. It's kind of an instinct thing. She's a, she's a lab, and she's, um, she's really cool. A, a lot of, several of you have seen her already. Those of you who are at camp got to take her to camp, and it, it was really fun. But uh, as I walk, she, she literally walks beside me and just keeps looking up, looking up at me the whole time. And if I go this way, she may miss it for a second, but because she keeps looking, she runs back over. And, and, and she's constantly just, just watching. And it's pretty cool. I, I actually really wanted to teach her how to do that. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to teach her to do that because I wanted, and she just naturally did it. That was really cool. But for her to follow me is not something that she sits in her little cage where she sleeps at night and goes, I am a follower of John Pryor. For her to follow me means she actually goes where I go and does what I do. When I go out on a kayak at camp, she, she jumps in the kayak and she paddles around with me. While I do the paddling, she rides. When I swim, she swims. When I get out, when I run, she runs. When I walk, she walks. That's what it means to follow. It's an action verb. And this, this idea is, is right at the very end of the Great Commission. I think it's probably the most important part. But because it's, 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 it's a promise and not a command, I think sometimes we miss how important it is. Jesus promised, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That's because we're following him. The actual Greek word that says go, it means as you go, wherever you go. You are already going as you go. It's, it, 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 there's no option given there. You go, go. As you go, make disciples. And it, all of those things. But, but Jesus is promising, I will be with you. Are you looking to see where Jesus is? Are you watching what he's doing? Are you asking him what to do next? Are you actively staying in touch with him in real time, trying to get guidance from him? Because to follow Jesus is an active thing, not a passive thing, not an intellectual thing. Matthew 4.19 is another one. Watch how Jesus called his disciples. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. When Jesus told us that he would be with us always, 
He was not saying that he would be on, we would be on his mind or in his heart somehow. He was not talking about some sort of a passive thing. I, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll be among you. I'll be smiling down on you from heaven. He was saying, I'm going to be leading you. I'm going to be an active part of this process that I'm asking you to do. But we miss it. We can still miss this if we're so stuck in our, our idea, in our concept of faith, in our concept of following, in our concept of faith that we miss it. Have you ever heard the, the question, it's kind of, it's like an icebreaker question you probably heard at some point where somebody say, if you could be, if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only have one book or three books or whatever, what would it be? Has anybody ever heard, heard this one? So it's an interesting idea. And, that, and the point is, what are your favorite books? Okay, that's really what people are trying to say. What are some of your favorite things to read? Or what are some things that you could read over and over and over again and not get tired of it? Or in, in other words, we just want to get to know you. But the idea of that, that question implies that um, if you were on this desert island, you're stuck on the desert island and that's all there is to do. Somewhere, somewhere in that question, we, uh, we, we, because we're, we're just stuck there. Uh, the, one of my favorite comedians ever is a guy named Stephen Wright, and I like what he had to say about that question. He said, someone asked me if I were stranded on a desert island, what book would I bring? I said, how to build a boat. <laughs> Why do we assume we're going to be stuck? When Jesus said, follow me, why do we assume that that means stand in one place forever? Why do we assume that to, to believe in Jesus, to place our faith in him, to build our life on his teachings, how can we possibly imagine that that means accept something or just think differently? How can we possibly imagine that it, it, it's not going to change who we are? Or, or transform us in some way. How can we possibly imagine? I, I, I honestly don't believe we can. There's a new Winnie the Pooh movie coming out. And I really like a quote from the trailer. So I'm going to quote Winnie the Pooh as well this morning. You're getting all the big intellectuals. But this is powerful. He says, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. I don't care if he is a stuffed bear. That's deep. <laughs> That's cool. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. You can't get to somewhere else unless you leave where you are. You can't follow Jesus until you stop following whoever else you're following or stop following yourself or stop sitting there watching Jesus run around doing stuff. You can't follow him unless you actually move. And here's the thing, we have so much more power to make choices, so much more power to keep promises, so much more power to even transform ourselves than we even realize sometimes. As, as people that are made in the image of God himself, 
God, God has given each one of us way more authority over our own bodies, over our own heads and hearts and lives than we think. And as Christians, those of us who have truly surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, those of us who truly have the Holy Spirit of God himself living inside of us, we have access to way more power than anybody else on the planet does. We can actually be transformed. We can actually break free from any sin. We can actually accomplish God's will on this earth. It's truly, truly possible. That this faith that we have is not something that's in our head. It's not something somebody made up that we, that we think sounds great. And we say, yeah, I'll, I'll, kind of, uh, I'll kind of go along with that. And if that's where your faith is this morning, if you realize as I'm talking, maybe, maybe you've got all this. Maybe everything I've said this morning is like, yeah, 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 tell me something I don't know. Good. That's great. But if for some reason you're listening to this this morning, you realize maybe your idea of faith or belief or trust has really been something that's active. Maybe you, maybe you don't really have a one-on-one, -on -one actually being in touch kind of relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that what God is offering you is not something in your head. It's not a feeling. It's an action. And it's a step and another step and another step. Here's an actual theologian quote for you. My dad gave me this one. This is really good. This is Charles G. Finney. This is actually really good and actually really powerful. He says this, God alone can save the world, but God and saints unite for that task. The response of God is invariably in proportion to our desire and effort. Let me read that one more time. It's pretty pretty. This is old school kind of talking, but I want to make sure you get this. God alone can save the world, but God and saints unite for the task. The response of God is invariably in proportion to our desire and effort. This is a powerful truth, and, it, and it's really, really true. I don't know why. I can't explain it to you. I don't know why God doesn't just do some things. There's a lot of things that I wish he would just do. Why does he wait on people to do something? Why, is, why, does, he wait, why does he need us to do something before he'll act? I have a lot of questions. I'm being real. But you look through any Bible story, you look through any passage where someone is writing a letter to someone else in the scripture and they're explaining how God works. You look at the actual teachings of Jesus that we're trying to build on. And here's what you'll see every single time. God always asks us to act. God always challenges us to put our trust in him and then build our lives on that trust to build our lives on his teaching, step after step, layer after layer, choice after choice as we go. And anything less than that, not only are we missing out ourselves, but the world is missing out because this is God's plan. And you may think there should be a better plan. I wonder sometimes, why, why are we? Why does God rely on such fallible, broken people as me and as you? I don't know. But he does. This is an inescapable truth. Jesus said to us, 
go into all the world and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey all the things I've commanded you. It's us that he's promising that, promise that he will be with us. So here's, here's my simple question, my simple challenge to you this morning. That's the last thing on the insert if you're doing that. But here, here's, here's what I would encourage you to ask God. And may, maybe you won't get an answer this morning. Maybe you will maybe later this week. But I, I really encourage you to ask God what he would like you to do. And, and, and this is very important. Not what I want you to do, what God wants you to do. I want you to ask God about it. And, and, and it's also important that you notice this is an action verb. I, I don't want you to just kind of accept that what I said this morning was true. I think God, there's something God wants you to do. Maybe, maybe he's already been talking to you about it for a while. Maybe, maybe you already know exactly when I first said that. But there's something that he wants you to build on. There's something he wants you, somewhere he wants you to go. Some specific person he wants you to share the truth with. Maybe there's a specific thing that he's doing that he wants you to follow him into. Maybe there's just a very simple task. I, I don't know. But I, I encourage you to ask God, what do you want me to do? And I'm assuming that everybody in this room, in one way or another, has made some steps along this way. But if you haven't, this, this is how it starts. This, this is what it means to build your life on his teachings. When, when he says, do this, you, you, you do it. That's the first layer. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And little by little, you become something bigger and stronger and better than you used to be. And you're able to accomplish things that you couldn't have done alone. Things you wouldn't even imagine being able to accomplish even with God's help. So here's the invitation this morning. I ask each one of you, every single one of you, to figure out what God is leading you to do. But if you've never followed Jesus in the first place, we invite you to come and make that choice this morning. If, if there's some, anything at all that you'd like to just have us pray with you, you, you can come forward and, and pray here this morning, and we will pray with you about that. If you'd like to join our church, we would love to have you join us. We'd love to be part of your faith journey with Christ. But this morning, I, I, I ask you to, to act on your faith in one way or another. Don't just stand and sing. Make a choice and actually follow through. When you leave this building today, no matter if you come up here forward or not, would you do something? Would you do that thing God is telling you to do? Would you make it tangible? Would you make it real? Would you make your faith authentic?